seated, I invite you to find a Bible, if you will, and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Our text for the morning is found in Luke chapter 19. It is the story of the wee little man, Zacchaeus. We are continuing in a sermon series this fall where we're talking about We Are Wesley. We're looking at those core values that have led us in the past, those core values that make us who we are today, and those core values that will lead us into the future. So today, we're looking at We Are Wesley. We are a Jesus-seeking people. So the story of Zacchaeus, chapter 19, begin at the beginning at the first verse. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must, I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house. Because he, too, is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. My friends, this is the Word of God. Would you pray with me? Father, Father, thank you for collecting us, gathering us in this place before you this morning. We pray that you will teach us what we do not know, give us what we do not have but need, and then make us to be the people you're calling us to be. We pray, God, that you'll give each one of us here in this place open ears to hear what you're saying to us today. Help each one of us to come to know Jesus Christ and to find the fullness of life that is available to us through him. In the name of that same Christ, we pray. Amen. Here in chapter 19 of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is on a mission. He is on the greatest mission the human race has ever seen. Here in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is on his way from Galilee to Jerusalem. Luke tells us he set his face toward Jerusalem. He is on his way to Jerusalem to die as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, to die for you 
and to die for me. The greatest mission that planet Earth has ever witnessed. But even though Jesus is on a mission to Jerusalem, as he's passing by the city of Jericho, he turns aside and he goes in from the main road to Jerusalem into the city of Jericho. Jericho is an amazing place, always has been. If you keep up with the news, you saw that recently UNESCO declared the city of Jericho there in Israel, declared the city of Jericho as a World Heritage Site because it is one of perhaps the oldest continuously inhabited cities on planet Earth. Jericho is an amazing place. I've visited it several times. It is an amazing place. It is in what we today call the West Bank. It is a Palestinian city there in Israel. And I love to go there because it reminds me that I need to be supporting those people. And it reminds me to pray for those people. I'm sure that you all are praying for the situation in Israel right now. Pray for both the Israelis. Pray for the Palestinians. Pray for that region, that peace will quickly return to that region. Pray for those in Israel, and pray especially for those in the Gaza Strip that become pawns or human shields in evil. So I know that we pray for the city of Jericho. Stopping there when I go to the Holy Land reminds me to uh, love the Palestinian people and to pray for them in the situation in which they find themselves. Jesus turned aside from his mission to Jerusalem to go into Jericho. Because as the text said, you heard it a few moments ago, Jesus will eventually say, I must stay at your house, Zacchaeus. He turned aside and he went into the city of Jericho on another mission. I think the mission was to find Zacchaeus. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably did learn that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree. But there's more to the story than that. There's not a lot to admire in the life of Zacchaeus. You heard how Luke presented him to you. Luke said he was not just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was a chief tax collector. You see, even though God gave that land to the Hebrew Israelite Jewish people, throughout most of their history, someone else has occupied the land and has exacted tax from the people to whom the land had been given. That's why they have always resented someone like Zacchaeus who collected taxes on behalf of someone like the Roman occupiers who collected taxes from the Jews there in the region because they thought God had given them that land and why could Rome all of a sudden pay them taxes? So the tax collectors there during Jesus' time were especially hated uh, more so than typical tax collectors, because in that culture they worked for the oppressors, they worked for the Romans. And Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector, you heard the text, he was a chief tax collector. He was at the top of the tax collecting pyramid. You notice there in the text, as chief tax collector, we are being reminded he was the supervisor of all the tax collectors. And the way they did it in first century 
Israel is Rome would get their tax money, but the people who were collecting the money for Rome would extort as much as they could from the people because all the extra that didn't have to go to Rome stayed in their pockets. And that's why the text tells us Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and he was rich. One of the reasons we're, getting, we're looking at Zacchaeus is because he does end up being one of those rich people who, like the camel going through the eye of the needle, made it into the kingdom of God. There's not a lot to admire about Zacchaeus before he meets Jesus. There's not a lot to admire about Zacchaeus, uh, but there is something I greatly admire about Zacchaeus, and I hope that you will admire Zacchaeus for the same thing. I admire Zacchaeus because of his determination to see Jesus. I admire Zacchaeus because he has what people used to call gumption. I see a lot of people in this world that don't seem to have a lot of determination to reach their goals. They don't seem to seize the day and make way toward their goals. They don't have gumption. If you look up that old word gumption in the dictionary, what you'll read is gumption is spirited initiative or resourcefulness. I admire people who have determination, who have gumption. Here's Zacchaeus, a short man, and I resemble that remark. He's a short man, and it was a great crowd, so he did what was necessary for him to see Jesus. He climbed a sycamore tree. In that part of the world, those sycamore fig tree uh, combinations have thick trunks, and they have thick branches. So Zacchaeus climbed into that sycamore tree. Now, if you ride into Jericho today, as you're entering the city of Jericho, they will show you a sycamore tree on the right that they say that's where the wee little man climbed up into. I, I sort of doubt that. But you, you know the story, and they know that you know the story. He had determination. He was convinced he was going to do what was necessary that day to see Jesus. We're not even sure why he was so interested in Jesus. My suspicion is Zacchaeus knew, though he had plenty of wealth, that there was something out of kilter in his life. There was something askew in his life. There was something wrong in his life. He probably had all of his wealth, but there was an emptiness in Zacchaeus. And he had heard the reputation of this Galilean preacher that was now coming through the city. So he went to try to see, encounter, know that Galilean preacher. There was something in Zacchaeus that pushed him, pushed him hard to see this Galilean preacher. And he was so determined, he set aside concern for his dignity. He set aside his vanity and he climbed up a tree. And then Jesus came through and they encountered him. I admire, I admire the determination, the gumption of Zacchaeus. We need to nurture determination and gumption in this, in this age in which we live. I do think you can sometimes divide people into one of two categories, those who have gumption and those who don't, those who will do whatever it takes to get the job done, and those who will let life just sort of happen to them. 
I recall one person that I know who was a successful businessman, and um, even though he was a successful businessman, owned his, own, owned his own business, he got into a little trouble with back taxes with the IRS, another form of tax collecting. He got into back taxes with the IRS, and he, he worked all day in his business, but he needed to earn some more money. So because he had gumption, he decided something he could do was get up at 3.30 in the morning and back in those days deliver newspapers for people to read. He did what he needed to do to reach his goal. He had determination, he had gumption. Sometimes we just let life happen. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure that Zacchaeus could have just stayed there chilling by the pool when Jesus came through Jericho. But he was determined to get to this Jesus. Heard a story recently about a snail that was climbing up an apple tree. And, of course, it's a snail very slowly. As the snail's climbing up the apple tree, the snail passes a worm who says, there's no use in climbing this apple tree. There's no apples on this apple tree. And the snail said, there will be by the time I get there. <laughs> we need to nurture gumption in ourselves and each other. We need to nurture determination in ourselves and each other. We know that Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln is perhaps the greatest president we've ever had because he was president when Americans were killing each other. And Abraham Lincoln was a great 16th president of the United States. But if you look at Lincoln's life before he became president, it was a series of failures and defeats. 1832, he lost his job and was defeated for the state senate of Illinois. 1833, he failed in business. 1835, the love of his life died. And the next year, 1836, he collapsed from mental exha exhaustion. 1843, he was defeated in his bid for U.S. Congress. 1854, he was defeated in his bid for U.S. Senate. 1856, he was defeated in his bid to get his party's nomination for vice president. 1858, he was defeated for the U.S. Senate. 1860, elected U.S. president. I admire gumption. I admire determination. And we need to seize the day, not just let the day happen. And we need to do this throughout the course of our life. We need to seize the day and use it for our good and for God's glory and the good of the people around us. Gumption, determination. So I like Zacchaeus as a, as a person who had, at least on this day, determination and gumption. So we've spent a few minutes looking at Zacchaeus. But now we're going to do the more important work. We're going to look at Jesus. As Christ followers, we're always seeking to turn our gaze toward Jesus. So we're going to turn our gaze toward Jesus in this text. Again, here's Jesus on the greatest mission the world has ever seen. He's en route to the city of Jerusalem to die as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But he takes a little detour into Jericho on this day because he's going after, I think, Zacchaeus. Last week, Pastor Glenn talked to us and encouraged us to always see the people as we're people on mission. Always see the people, particularly see the people who need us most. 
Jesus, though the crowd was great, saw Zacchaeus, the wee little man up in the tree. I hope that you notice the great grace of Jesus Christ at this point. Zacchaeus just wanted to see Jesus, but Jesus had far, far, far more for Zacchaeus. So I hope you see that amazing grace that comes after Zacchaeus. Now you notice here in the text, it says that after Jesus Saul, Zacchaeus, he invited Jesus down, and Jesus said, I must, notice the imperative there, I must stay at your house today. That's why he's going through Jericho. I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. Zacchaeus got to see Jesus face to face. Then verse 7, all who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. There are always the grumblers there. Even when Jesus is working and Jesus is doing something new, there's always the grumblers there. Some people have taken grumbling and complaining and elevated it to an art form in their lives. That's their primary sport in life is being critical and grumbling. In The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, there's mention, mention of a particular woman who grumbled so much. She ceased being a person who grumbled, and she just became a grumble. That's all she was. There's always those grumblers. They grumbled this day because Jesus came down and went home with this sinner. Now, let me make sure you understand something at this point. I think it's very clear in the Gospels, but our culture today, our Christian culture today, misses this, Jesus calls out, calls down this sinful person, very sinful, chief tax collector, and Jesus goes with him to sit at home with him, probably to share a meal with him. Now, Jesus did not do this. Jesus spent a lot of time hanging out with sinful people. Jesus did not do this to just go and, and affirm Zacchaeus, to give Zacchaeus a trophy for being a special person or celebrate who Zacchaeus was. Jesus went home with the sinner Zacchaeus in order to transform the sinner Zacchaeus. Jesus spent a lot of time hanging out with sinful people, but it was not to just affirm them, celebrate them, or make them feel loved. He wanted them to feel loved to the point that it would transform them. It would change them. So that's why Jesus did not care what the grumblers were saying, and Zacchaeus didn't pay attention to what the grumblers were saying. So they went home, and I believe that there's a time period, a time lapse between verses 7 and 8, between the grumblers, and in verse 8 it says, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. Half. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. I think there's something that happens between verses 7 and 8 here in the text. Jesus spent time with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was there with Jesus face to face. And that time period, that hanging out with Jesus changed Zacchaeus dramatically changed Zacchaeus. He became a very generous person. Part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to grow the fruit of generosity in us. 
Zacchaeus became a very, very generous person. And then you notice in response to that, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today, salvation, deliverance, salvaging, healing, life itself has come to this house because you too, Zacchaeus, you're a son of Abraham and all the promises of God are there for you. And then Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. He came to seek out Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, maybe there was something inside him gnawing away, but in general, Zacchaeus did not even know he was lost. Before someone can allow Jesus to find them and save them, they have to understand that they're lost. I'm going to tell you a quick story that I don't think I've ever told you because it makes me look... um, makes me look less than smart. When I moved to Franklin, North Carolina, when Tammy and I moved to Franklin, North Carolina, and I was called to serve uh, through the conference, I was called to serve First, First United Methodist Church in Franklin. That part of the world was strange to me. I'd had years in, in the Piedmont, years even here in the Triad, but Franklin, North Carolina is another animal, way, way, way to the western part of the state of North Carolina. It took me a long time to learn my way uh, around that area. You know, they put mountains all over the place there, and sometimes those mountains are put in inconvenient places so the roads have to wind. And it's just, it does something to your sense of direction. Well, the the second week we were there, uh, Tammy's family was coming to visit. So I decided so we could go see the beautiful waterfalls that we had rent like a van that we could all travel together to see the waterfalls. So again, I know nothing about Franklin. Been there one time in my life to talk to him before I received the appointment there. So I called uh, uh, a car dealership that rented vans. It was, I still remember it was uh, McConnell Motors in Franklin, North Carolina. I called McConnell Motors and this was the day, at least for me, was the day before GPS and all that stuff. I called the old-fashioned way. I called McConnell Motors, and I said, where are you located? And now, keep in mind, I've just moved into, you have to remember this for the sake of the story, I just had moved into the parsonage of First United Methodist Church, which is on Main Street in Franklin. So I'm sitting there in the parsonage of First United Methodist Church in Franklin. I call McConnell Motors, and, and I get directions. I get directions. You know how we men sometimes are with receiving directions. I get directions. Now I know the mistake. Instead of turning, instead of turning right at Town Hall, I turn left at Town Hall. And I kept driving and driving and driving and driving. I almost made it all the way to Bryson City on 28. I kept driving. It's hard for us, some of us guys, to admit that we're lost. Well, I had Tammy's brother with me, which really made this much more painful. I had Tammy's brother with me. I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm almost all the way to Bryson City, and then I admit I'm lost. Sometimes people who are lost won't admit they're lost. So I turned around and headed back toward Franklin. We were still quite a distance outside of Franklin. There was a little country store. Walked in that country store, and my brother-in-law went with me. We walked in the country store, and I asked the person behind the counter, where is McConnell Motors? She looked straight at me and said, "Um, 
do you know where the parsonage for First United Methodist Church is in Franklin? My brother-in-law didn't say a word because he saw the look on my face as I looked at him. And I just said to the lady behind the counter, yes, I, I know where the parsonage of First United Methodist Church is on Main Street in Franklin. She says, go there and take a left and you'll see McConnell Motors. It was within sight of where I lived. I took it back when I was finished with that automobile and walked back to the parsonage. Yeah, it made a really big difference whether you turn left or right at Town Hall in Franklin. Sometimes we're lost and we don't even have the good sense to admit that we're lost. We don't want to accept that we're lost. We don't have the humility to ask for help. I suspect that's basically where Zacchaeus was, but he knew enough to want to see Jesus. He knew that somehow this Galilean preacher could change his whole life. As a matter of fact, you know what the word Zacchaeus means? The root of it means in Hebrew? It comes from the same word as pure. There wasn't much pure about Zacchaeus before he met Jesus. But after he met Jesus, he was tremendously transformed. He gave away half of his possessions to the poor. And all those people he defrauded, he paid back four times as much. When we let Jesus get a hold of us, the world can't even believe what Jesus can do with us and through us. We are Wesley which means we are a Jesus-seeking people. We seek Jesus, and as we seek Jesus, what we come to know is he was seeking us before we sought him. We seek Jesus, and when we find Jesus, we realize what has really happened is we've allowed ourselves to be found by him. We are centered on Jesus. We seek Jesus. We seek Jesus so we can find new life and find the transformation he offers, but we also seek Jesus so we can share Jesus. I hope that you know that new life that is available to us in Jesus Christ. I, I hope that you have found the joy of leading someone else to find the gift of new life that's offered to us in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? God, it's so good to be in your presence because we know that when we're in the presence of the living Christ, we are changed. Sometimes, sometimes we have to be willing to receive the change. Sometimes we have to be humble enough to acknowledge that Jesus is who he says he is and Jesus will do what he has said he would do and he will do even in our lives what he says he will do in our lives. So God, we pray in these closing moments, you will do whatever is necessary in each one of our lives. May we receive you completely into our lives as Savior and Lord. May we invite you into our hearts so that our hearts can be centered on you, so that we can have a heart that rightly orders all of the loves we have in life, a heart that rightly seeks to live according to godly priorities, to find the life you've given us, the life you're calling us to of great joy. May we receive you into our hearts in such a way that we will allow you to rule and reign in our lives. That's something only your Holy Spirit can do, God. 
So we ask your Holy Spirit to continue to work in us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.